Hi, I'm Sam. About five years ago, my whole world was turned upside down. More on that later, but let's just say in what was supposed to be the happiest time in my life, I felt totally lost. You're listening to or watching my show, where we'll be talking with friends in healthcare, wellness, and holistic healing about real self-care. I'm not talking about pedicures and bubble baths. We're talking true acts of care to maintain our physical and mental health so we can truly live fearlessly and fulfilled. Say it with me. Self-care is my job. Okay, you guys, I'm ready to start talking about something, something amazing, something that has changed my freaking life. And I'm really happy to finally be sharing with you that I am a wellness partner with a company called Amare, and they also call themselves the Mental Wellness Company. So my first introduction um, to Amare was with a product called the Fundamentals Pack, which is a probiotic regimen, and it includes three different probiotic blends. Now, probiotic, most of us know, starts with your gut health and will help the health of your gut and the balance in your gut. So did you know also that most of the dopamine and serotonin in your body is actually actually generated in your gut, which means that those feel-good and calm hormones that get generated inside of you start there. So we need as much of that as possible. I think most of you will agree. So I've had so much success with with this probiotic regimen. I think first, you know, I noticed a lot less bloating and a lot um, easier detox. And I think you know what I mean. And I also noticed clarity of mind because there's also a piece of this probiotic regimen that works with not only the brain, but also the vagus nerve, which is the nerve that runs up and down your spine and connects your gut to your brain. So the result is mental health, mental wellness and clarity and focus. So I noticed that. And then a slew of other amazing results, such as improved skin. My hair and my nails started growing. Um, My allergies and the symptoms related to my environmental allergies reduced by probably 70 to 80% this spring and summer, which I was amazed. I was thinking, looking around at everybody sneezing and coughing and miserable and realized that I did not have these symptoms anymore. I also had um, almost complete elimination of body aches and pains that I used to blame on not working out enough. And now I realize that a lot of that was just inflammation. So I want to share this product with you and I want you to click into the description in the notes for this episode and you're going to see a link to my site for Amare, the mental wellness company. And I want you to feel free to also email me at selfcarewithsam at gmail.com if you feel like you want some direction on their product line and everything else that they offer because I've tried a bunch of other stuff and could not be happier. Honestly, this has been a complete game changer for me and how I feel in my body and my mind. Um, A close second as far as the best self-care experience I've had. A close second to, of course, yoga. So please do let me know if you want some more information and I'll just leave this here. Take care of yourself. Hi everyone. Here I am. As promised, another live episode today of self-care is my job. I'm just going to pop into Facebook and make sure we're rolling I had some technical difficulties with this stuff as of recently. And we are live. Awesome. Okay. So if you're popping in and you want to say hello, shoot me a comment. I would love to hear from you. Thank you for joining. Self-care is my job. So I've been like, uh, the last couple of weeks, I have 
kind of pulled back from social media a little bit and I've been busy, mostly just most of the busy was just preparing for my daughter's sixth birthday, which is a lot. Um, and then other, you know, like fun family events and stuff like that. And then just like starting off my chilling process of summer. So I'm just happy that like I've been able to do that without driving myself crazy. Like a little bit just to couch this conversation about self-love normally and still a little bit today and in the last couple of weeks I would really be beating myself up about not showing up enough for the show and not posting enough to social media to be promoting my business um and really letting those thoughts morph into you're not doing enough, you are not enough. Now, those thoughts still happen. And that process of kind of um, taking it down from that space of, okay, like, I, it's not that I'm not enough. It's that I need this space. I feel like so much of the work that I've been doing on my own self-love journey and for my own self and for my own healing over the last couple of years has gotten me to a place where I'm okay with not only not showing up, period, but also not showing up perfectly. So that leads me to just another thing I want to say. As you can see, I am fresh out of a private yoga session. I have no makeup on, hair's not done. This sports bra leggings tee went on this morning shortly after I woke up, brushed my teeth, little Mylar water, however you say it, on the face to cleanse minimally, and we good to go. So not every day is like this, you know, picturesque you know, view where we need to be hiding our imperfections, where we need to have the facade up, where we need to look a certain way, act a certain way and fit into certain boxes. Um, I'm just to be clear, like we all have these days, right? Where we're like, you know, we're not dressed in our best. We don't look our best. We uh, are just kind of getting through the day as opposed to it being like this, you know, achievement or this um, proud moment. Um, and I think we need to normalize more of that. I think we need to normalize not doing that, but showing that. Because as many of you know, when we come on social media, we just see the highlight reel of everyone's life. It's not even in, in many times, in many cases, it's not even a highlight reel. It's, it's, the um it's the couched and premeditated pre-planned portrayal of life in many cases um and i feel good about where we're all going as a collective because i think that we are slowly coming away from that where i think that a lot of us are getting tired of that and then so i feel like we're going to see we're going to see a shift with social media specifically, I think we're going to see a shift where you're going to start to see a lot more authenticity, but it's going to take a while. It's going to take some time. So the reason it's going to take some time, and this is a good segue into the conversation, is that so many of us struggle with fully loving ourselves. And I think it is a massive, massive disservice what many leaders and coaches, what they do is they talk about how it all stems from self-love, right? Like we can't love others and have successful relationships unless we love ourselves fully first. We can't be fully successful in our businesses unless we love ourselves, unless we um, are kind to ourselves and quiet the negative self-talk because that is going to 
you know, bog us down, hold us back in many cases. Many people talk about how the negative self-talk will lower our frequency. Um, strange relationships that you have to deal with daily will lower your frequency. And then obviously that affects the the energy that you are therefore attracting, right? So a lot of, a lot of people will talk about it from that perspective as well. Um, and quite frankly, I feel like it's a little oversimplified because there isn't a switch that you can turn on and off inside of you that goes from, I love myself to, I, or I don't love myself to, I do love myself. There isn't a self-love switch. It takes work. The reason why I genuinely, genuinely do believe that it takes work is because I'm a living embodiment of it, doing the work doing the healing work right now to get to a place where not only do not only do I love myself but I know myself again. And the reason that I put it that way is that I feel like so much of the love that we lose for ourselves occurs because we are hiding. We are hiding. Hiding sadly has become a, in many cases, a part of our daily lives, whether it is putting on makeup, whether it is curtailing our actions, whether it is quieting our voice, or whether it is conforming in other ways to the expectations of other people in our lives could be our job, could be our partner, could be your parents, could be so many reasons why we conform. We tame pieces of ourselves. We actually sometimes even take whole pieces of ourselves that are very much, that are very important pieces of ourselves. Gifts that we have that others don't understand um, words that we say that others aren't either comfortable hearing or saying themselves. We take pieces of ourselves that are that important and sometimes just put them on a damn shelf to the side for eternity. And what happens is your inner child, that true essence that's deep, deep inside of you, that being, that energetic being that's inside, that has always been there from birth, is wounded, is terrified and sad and wounded because of it, her, he, she, it, they, being judged and forced to be a different way. And so the more and more that we do that over the course of our lives, the less love we have for ourselves. So I think that's why there are a lot of people used to, um, the, the, the caption that I typed for this live is, you know, if you love every part of yourself, if you love every single part of yourself and you never, be, you never speak negatively in your mind or beat yourself up, then this episode is not for you. Um, because I do think that there are people who, um, perhaps are unaware of the ways in which they have lost themselves a bit. And that's because we live in a society that is just go, 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 do, do, do. It's constant movement forward, forward, forward. So we actually lose the ability to hear, to even hear those negative thoughts that are popping in that are saying, I don't like myself or I'm not enough or in some way, um, devaluing ourselves for ourselves. Um, yeah. So if you're popping in and you're listening and any of this resonates with you, I would love for you to send over a comment. Feel free to send in a question or a comment or anything that feels right. So I want to talk a little bit about my journey because I feel like this is, it's like the best way to normalize this conversation of like, we are all constantly working on this. 
and which is something that I'm doing actively now. So I want to go back to a time that I've talked about a bunch on the show, which is when my daughter was first born or was about to be born, was eight months pregnant with Aria, who just turned six, like all but a couple days ago. And I was laid off from my position for a large publishing company when I was eight months pregnant and was initially, you know, planned on going straight back into the workforce, not even waiting until I had my child. I was interviewing at eight months pregnant, going into interviews with that big old belly. But um, things didn't work out that way. And I ended up kind of trying to get comfortable with the stay-at-home mom lifestyle while at the same time becoming a mother for the very first time, adjusting to that, and then also adjusting to having to, to detach from the lifestyle that I was so comfortable with of work, going to work every day and commuting to the city every day and having this sense of importance. And as much as many people would say, well, didn't you feel important because you had become a mother? The answer is no. The answer is no. I didn't feel important because when you are taking care of an infant, a newborn, it just feels, I mean, it depends, right? Because there's so many, there's so so much going on in early motherhood. Um, but no, like it, 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 I think it's a very common misconception that when a mother, when a woman becomes a mother, her entire life is just like, poof, fulfilled. And everything just falls into place and she'll never need or want a thing ever again. It's just not accurate in any way. So in that time, what I realized was that I had functioning anxiety. And all of the anxiety that I felt towards, mostly for me, it was always like executing things perfectly. A high level of perfectionism and people pleasing. And I realized at that time that I was actually for, for a long time after becoming a mother and leaving the corporate world, I was trying to like make motherhood a freaking corporate job. Like I was pouring so much anxiety and perfectionism into doing all the things that a good mother quote, good mother should but then not even just the things that a good, a good mother should, but all of the things that I could also offer. Because again, I didn't really feel like just being mom was enough, which is a whole nother thing to, uh, to tap into. So I really didn't feel enough considering that the salary I had built up over the years was gone. You know, many of us value ourselves based on our own salary. You know, the money that we draw in, that's for so many people's success is financial. So then your salary or your income, you know, kind of dictates, dictates your value. So that was gone. And I was trying to fill, to value myself by taking on even more projects outside of motherhood. And all during this time, I really, I was not aware of any of this yet. I wasn't aware of my high level of perfectionism, fear of not executing perfectly, and also not having the outcome of whatever I'm doing being perfect. As you can imagine, perfectionism will absolutely eat you alive. It will not only intensify any anxiety that you already have about a project, about a task, about whatever it is that you're working on, but it will also hold you back because that high level of fear that you have of not executing perfectly, not even the outcome being perfect, but the execution, the actual doing part, the anxiety you have about that piece not being per done perfectly will hold you back because you will procrastinate on everything because you're not ready. You're, you're never ready because everything isn't just perfectly executing. 
So I found myself there on many, many occasions. And it wasn't until I started working with a coach and finding the support that I needed and gaining the knowledge and understanding that I needed that I became aware of any of this. And that awareness piece has to come first, right? First, we have to be willing to slow down and hear all of those negative whirling thoughts in our head before we can ask ourselves where they come from, where they really come from. And once we ask ourselves where they really come from, what happens is that act right there is like shining a light on all your demons. It's like shining a light on all the little gremlins in the back corner of your closet. And as soon as you shine the light, they scurry real fast. They scurry. And they might still hang out. That's shadow work, right? It's called shadow work. You're literally shining a light so that you could see the shadow. Um, the reason that I'm talking about this in relation to self-love is when it comes, you know, I'm talking about my personal journey because I think that it will resonate with others who might listen to this. Um, and that perfectionism and people pleasing was a really major, big part, big step for me. There have been so many steps. Okay. With um, close to a year ago is when I started my therapy journey. My very first experience with a therapist who's the most amazing person like I've ever met. And I'm still working with her today. And one of the, actually was literally the first um, appointment that I had with her. <clears throat> I think it was even like our assessment as opposed to like actual first session. Um, she asked me a question that totally threw me off. And the question was, Growing up in your family, what was your role? What was your role in your family? And I just kind of looked at her like, what? I don't understand the question. <laughs> like, I really couldn't answer it. I don't know. I'm not really sure. Um, I know now why I couldn't answer the question. But she tried to guide me. And she said, you know, were you like... <clears throat> Were you like the action taker? Were you the cheerleader? Were you the peacemaker? And that one kind of resonated with me. So I said, I guess I was kind of like the peacemaker because I always wanted to like talk through everything and understand both sides of everything. That's always been one of my major um, some people in my life in the past would have called it a flaw or a defect, but I call it now a gift. Um, one of my gifts is that I see both sides of everything. I see both yin and yang. I see both black and white. I see both masculine and feminine. I see both. The reason is because I can see the intention in people's actions and I take into account the intention when I have a vision of what's going on. So the reason why I felt that I resonated with that role of peacemaker was because I was always trying to see both sides of everything and really have those deep conversations if needed, those uncomfortable sometimes conversations if needed to work shit out, to understand something fully and completely. And I explained that. And then in the same breath, I also said, I mean, that not that anybody ever appreciated that about me. And I often felt judged and um, cast out for, for being that way, kind of going against the grain a bit in my family growing up, which, you know, I think in many of our families during, you know, a different time, a different place, right? Uh, was very much about the chaos and the fighting and the arguments and the struggle. And drawing in peace at that time was almost looked at as weird. 
So my therapist at the time responded by saying, oh, so you were the weird one. You were the outcast. And those words, I will never forget the feeling that I got when I heard those words because they hit me straight in my chest. I felt it right here at my heart. And the reason for that is because she was right. Is because I always felt like a little bit of an outcast. And ever since, ever since that awareness came into my body, which like I said, I don't even think it was a full year ago. Ever since I became aware of the fact that, holy shit, like, you're right, I always have felt that way. I have been on a journey ever since then of unraveling all of the ways and unfolding from all of the ways in which I had been conforming to be more and more like everyone else in my family and in my unit and circle from childhood. I have been unraveling all of those ways in which I attempted to conform to be more like those people and less like myself. So I'm bringing this example up again as another example of what true self-love actually means. It doesn't mean confidence. Confidence is something that is talked about all the time, right? Confidence, I think, has an energy about it that's closer and and maybe even it's closer in definition to like swagger, right? Uh, It has a different energy to it, that word, than self-love. Self-love to me means a combination of self-compassion and self-trust. And I think we can all agree those are two separate things, but both equal pieces that are so necessary. So self-compassion. Actually, you know what? I would I would start with self-trust. In that situation, say for example, right? You are a certain way, you say certain things and um and the way that you are and always have been from childhood wasn't accepted. And you felt judged and even forced to change by your parents, by your um, people of authority in your life, right? In your younger years, say that happens. And so you you morph, right? You morph and you conform to be more and more like what they expect you to be. And so if we talk about self-trust, we lose, we, that is, that is the, the very, very chipping away, the, the, the tip of the iceberg of the chipping away of self-trust is when we start to do that. Now, I call it a journey for a reason because this is our journey. This is why we're here, to remember, to let go of all of those ways in which we morphed to be to fill the boxes, right? To fit into boxes. We unravel all of that and we remember, we come back to ourselves. I truly do believe that that is most of why we're here is to take this journey back to ourselves. So yeah, the moment that we start to morph for the expectations of others is when we start to lose self-trust. So once we start to trust ourselves again we can't actually we can't actually do that until we kind of until we shine a light on these shadows can't actually do that we have we can't skip steps what we need to do is first become aware of the ways in which we beat ourselves up again and ask ourselves why the why those thoughts exist where they really really come from And a lot of times the answer is pretty deep-seated. And we start to come back to ourselves because once we release that stuff, then we can start to trust ourselves. And then the self-compassion comes in when 
all of the ways in which we kind of beat ourselves up are all of our imperfections. They don't just go away. So self-love doesn't mean all of a sudden I believe myself to be perfect. Self-love means I love every part of me, even the imperfections, even the flaws. And when those flaws and imperfections rear their ugly head and show their face in my day-to-day life, I am going to be compassionate with myself because it's not all strengths. There are weaknesses as well, just like there is black and white, just like there is yin and yang, just like there is ebb and flow. I'm going to have days that are amazing and days that are shit, and that's okay. I can be compassionate to myself and make space for all of it. Um, and another, and the final example I'd like to share about just as a piece of my self-love journey, because I feel like, again, examples are important. Um, I've always loved to sing. Always. Like since birth. (laughs) Maybe not since birth, because I really can't remember back that far, but since I was very, very little. And probably when from when I was around six or so, uh, I remember we didn't even have, um, I, I don't know if, if anybody's like me who's listening to this that can remember like all the old school um, stereo systems that we used to, that we used to play our music on. First they had the cassettes and then there were like the giant like Iowa um boom boxes with the first CD players in them. So before any of those, we had what I, we called it a boom box, but I, when I visualize it, it looks more like a karaoke machine. Um, But I don't remember it having a mic. So maybe it just was like missing the mic, but that's what I played my cassettes on. And what I used to do probably from when I, from when I was around six, I think I used to wait for everyone I mean, now that I'm thinking about it, I guess maybe I was a little older if I was to be left in the house alone. So let's just say 10. Um, Would move all of the couches out of the way in the living room. I would wait until no one was in the house. And I would move all the couches out of the way in the living room. And I would put my cassettes on and I would blast the music and I would dance around And I would choreograph an entire performance and I would sing. And even from that young age, I felt like I could sing. Like I liked the way that I sound. I I liked the way that I sounded. I felt like I had something. Um, And as I got older, I started to talk about it a little bit with my parents and with my family members and with my sibling and other people. And I can't say that I got a good response from the people in my life. Now, granted, I have gone, I'm, I've never been trained vocally and I have gone down, I've done any kind of growth that I've done with singing, with vocals, with songwriting, I've done by myself with the support of no one. And I mean, well, okay, let me step back. For a long time, it was with no one because I didn't get the support. I didn't get the, um, I didn't get the support and like the affirmation and the validation that it was okay to have this creative expression as a kid. I did not. Um, and I, when I look back, I know exactly why now, right? So again, that's the formula, right? Like when I sing or when I want to sing in front of people and then I'm fearful and, or that I, or I actually do it and then I beat myself up about, oh God, it sounded bad and I should have done like this and I should have practiced more and I fucked it up. And all of that negative self-talk comes in, whether it's after it happens or before I even allow it to happen because I hold myself back as well and don't allow my voice to be heard. Um, And when we ask ourselves, when I truly ask myself why, I know that it all stems from that. It all stems from that early lack of support. 
then it translating obviously to me feeling like I didn't have something, like I didn't have a voice and that it was awful and that nobody wanted to hear me. But the reality of what it actually was, was just me absorbing everybody else's fears around judgment of others and around whether or not that would be a, a productive use of my time. Meaning if I couldn't make a career and make money out of being a singer and a songwriter, if, if I wasn't that good that I could actually make my career out of it and make money, then why would somebody encourage me to keep doing it? Again, absorbing other people's fears around those things, whether or not it was a productive use of my time, whether I would be truly successful at it, and a fear of judgment of what other people would think. So if I'm waiting on the support of someone who would never sing in front of a group of people because of their fear of their judgment, that person is going to turn around and tell me, don't do this. And another piece of it, of course, is love. Because you also might very well have the urge to tell someone not to do that if you love them and you don't want them to be judged or hurt. So all of those things I can turn around and see now clearly why it happened that way. But because of the lack of support very early on, I hid that part of me well <laughs> for a very, very long time. I would not allow singing Sam out for a very long time. Now, when I say that I did have some support at a certain, at a certain point, I did. I have... Um, one of my best friends was one of my very first supporters in me getting back into singing and songwriting. And that wasn't until I was about like 23 years old. So yeah, I shut that shit down for a while. And then in my mid twenties, it just couldn't, couldn't contain it anymore. So just going back to, you know, I would still write music and I would still sing, but I never did it in front of anyone. And it was, and I never talked about it. And very minimally, minimally did I ever show like my lyrics that I would write to other people. And it was, it was very, it was a very, I was a shadow artist as, uh, as some of my close friends would, would call me. So why am I bringing it up? Why am I bringing this up as far as my self-love journey? The hiding, I'm coming back to that topic that I referenced in the beginning of this, this episode, the hiding. We hide, we hide these beautiful parts of ourselves because at one point or another, we were made to feel like they did not fit. They did not work for the group or circle that we were a part of at the time. They did not fit into the box. They didn't check off one of the list of expectations for the box that you're supposed to fall into. And so therefore they went by the wayside or got put on a shelf. Um, one of the most recent things that happened regarding the singing and over the years, you know, I would dabble in and out. I've been trying to teach myself keyboard for the last couple of years where I could just play like some simple, like four chord songs. I partnered with a guitar, a guitarist for a couple of years and we practiced, but only played one gig. Um, as much as I, I put some effort into the music it was never all in because I was still hiding. And recently, one of my best friends got married and she asked me to sing at the wedding. She did it in a kind of off the cuff kind of way. I think that she wanted to make sure that I didn't feel massively pressured. But having known her since high school and have or before that, um, and, ha and just knowing her really well, I knew that she actually really wanted me to. And you know what else is that I actually wanted to. I really wanted to because I just love doing it. I even love singing in front of people live specifically because of the energy. Not so that the attention is on me, but 
because of the exchange of energy and the elevation of frequency in the room that I can feel in my body. It is an amazing, amazing experience. So long story short, I did it. I finally did it. I realized at the very like days before this wedding, I realized it came to me. I downloaded it definitely from somewhere, from something. It was this message that came down and said, you are hiding. Because I was the whole time I was telling myself this story about how like, uh, it's her wedding and I shouldn't put the attention on me and it's not right. And, uh, you know, whatever it was, none of it was about fear of me fucking up vocally because after all these years of, um, failure and learning and trying again and repeat, 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 I've come a very long way vocally, vocally to a point where I feel way more confident now. That's where the confidence comes in when you're going, when you really are in that grit of like, oh, that was a disaster. Let me learn from it. Try again. And you keep coming back and doing it again and again. That's when the confidence comes. It doesn't, you can't start with confidence, right? So I did it and it was absolutely amazing. And I found myself just in awe of how, how I have this gift that I hide. Even if it's not like, oh my God, it's the gift of this amazing voice that the world is going needs to hear. No, it's not about that. It's just that it's just that simple that this is a massive piece of me. This is a huge piece of me that I don't show people nearly enough because I hide because it didn't fit in to what the world wanted me to be. So I put it aside for too long and I'm still digging it out. So you know, that being said, still digging it out. This is what I'm talking about. I like to normalize the fact that we have to do the work. We have to do the work when it comes to um, healing our inner child. That truth inside of us that got bogged down and covered up and blocked from so much conforming to other people's bullshit, to society's bullshit. And then so that's what, if you've ever heard the term wounded, wounded inner child, it's wounded. So I wrote down like an analogy just before, or just another example. You know, imagine all the negative self-talk, right? Like I mentioned before, that I believe is your, the awareness that we need to come to first so that we can work on our true self-love. We need to get quiet enough to hear and even potentially write down some of those negative, whirling, repetitive thoughts that swirl in our mind every single day about our lack of value, our lack of enough. Become super hyper aware of them and then dissect the shit out of them to see where they come from. One of the earliest um, exercises that my therapist asked me to do was just that, was to write down my negative thought patterns. And after a week of writing, just like jotting things down, which I have this list next to me that I located before going live here, um, I, I remember just being horrified at how many things I repetitively um, think about that are negative. Things like, what would my mother-in-law think of that? I'm not spending enough time with my kids. I'm not present enough. I'm not doing enough. Look what the other, that other coach is doing. Um, I must not be qualified. Why haven't I done that yet? Um, guilt for having things. Just like guilt in general for having things for having money, you know, um, guilt for spending money, 
um, I'm not doing enough. Um, I'm not doing enough. I'm not relaxing enough. I'm not present enough. Do we hear a recurring theme? Um, we're not having enough sex. <laughs> I'm not pleasing him enough. I'm literally reading you my thoughts. This is a vulnerable share. So we need to get quiet enough to hear them, to become really hyper aware of them. We, you know, that, that chatter is there and I feel like the effect that it has on us energetically, we feel, right? And you might not know where it's coming from. You know, you have these days, right? Where you're like, oh God, like, I just feel awful. Just hate myself today. And then you have days where you're like, oh, I'm fucking superwoman. And you're like, why? You know, like, what is with this? First of all, normal. And second of all, it's because we get that like energetic feeling from all of these thoughts, but we're not pinpointing them and pulling them out and taking a good fucking look at them. Um, so that would be my advice. Of course, I am always talking about on this show and in general with um, my students and clients is awareness. Awareness is that first piece. We have to become hyper aware of what is going on inside of us. And then we can ask where it's coming from. Um, and like I said, I had written down like this sort of analogy because once you take a look at what's going on, you might start to notice even more when those thoughts come in, how you feel. Imagine that there is a child and a parent in some location where you are at. <laughs> And the parent is screaming at this child and pointing their finger at this child and berating this child. And the child is only like five, maybe six. And then, this, and then the parent turns around and storms out of the room and you're still there. And the child is terrified and she's, he or she, is in the corner and they're shaking and they're crying and they're terrified and they're mortified. More specifically mortified, right? About whatever it is that they just did wrong, what they feel they did wrong. What would you do? What would you do? You would go over, you would go over and you would say, are you okay? You would say, it's going to be okay. Because you don't know the details of the situation and you don't know much, but you would say, it's going to be okay. And are you okay? So this is not to say that all of us had parents that would berate them. And so all of our inner child feel that way, right? But to a certain extent, the constant forcing down our throats of what we should be like and shouldn't be like is a little bit like that finger pointing, that berating, okay, that controlling. And so for a second, think about when you have a chance to just sit and kind of imagine your inner child. Imagine what they look like, what they might feel like. For me, it was um, just a picture of, much like a picture that I have of myself from when I was around six or seven. Um, but instead of the smiling, cheerful, curly-haired Sam in that picture, she was wet and crying and sad and shivering and just being completely upfront and honest. And over time of me checking in when I feel those thoughts whirling and when I feel that energy bogging me down, checking in, are you okay? 
it's going to be okay. I love you. I'm here for you. I support you. And over time of me just doing these little inner child check-ins, the smile came back to her face. And we, this is called reparenting. And we can't fix everything, but we can start. We take little steps. Um, are we best friends? Are me and my inner child best friends? Is she no longer wounded? No. She's still a little wounded, but she's in much better shape than she's ever been before. So um, this is my story. These are pieces of my journey. I hope that this is helpful in some way. Again, self-love is about self-compassion and self-trust. It isn't about confidence. It isn't about body confidence. It isn't about being comfortable in your skin. Um, you know, there's so much focus on the physical, right? Self-love is about remembering. And again, like untangling yourself from all that bullshit that you were told in ways that you had to conform and that you had to change in ways in which you were weird or you were different. And this, you know, obviously isn't going to resonate with every single person, but I know for a fact that if I feel drawn to tell this story and to speak this message, that there are people that need to hear it. So enjoy your 4th of July weekend. Remember to check in with yourself. Um, you know, being called to mention too, if you're going to be around family, sometimes that's a little triggering in these ways. So it's a great opportunity at sometimes to check in. Thank you again for, for listening, for following. If you want to go on the um, self-care is my job YouTube channel and subscribe. That would be amazing. If you're listening to this podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, make sure you follow and we will talk to you soon. Hey, thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed. Hopefully you will like share and follow. And if you want to stay connected, find me on Instagram at the underscore aligned underscore heart, or you can visit my website at alignedheart.net. Take care of yourself. Say it with me. Self-care is my job.